Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, I feel like the bionic man, uh, sort of. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. Matt, hope you're having a, a great week as we finally are I mean, I don't even know. Finally, unfortunately, it might be the word the week after football season ended. There's no more football for a while, man. Yeah, well, it stinks for now. I think I'm really going to miss it when we get to kind of the doldrums of when sports kind of start to wrap up. When I got to Sunday this week, I did not miss football. I know I will down the road, but I think that a nice little break will do us all some good. Yeah, for sure. Um, we have a little bit of a break here, and that's the combine next week in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. We'll be there. Uh, you got free agency in March. The owners' meetings at the end of March for some other business stuff to tie into. Then we're in the draft month, and that's always visits and top thirty visits and those kinds of things. And then the draft at the end of the month, and then of course scheduling. We got to get Mike North on the pod again. I'm sure we're going to try and do that. In the meantime, so I say, Bionic Man, uh, real quickly, just want to touch on. Thank you so much for all the well wishes, people reaching out, social media. You may have seen. Uh, had a bit of a of a procedure. I don't even know if I call it procedure or surgery, but I ha- I now have a pacemaker actually uh, in my chest right here. And um, I just want everybody to know like how this came about really quickly. This has been in the works for a while. Nothing suddenly happened to me. Um, since I've been in high school, I have passed out several times. And a couple of years ago, it was found that I have a condition called neurocardiosyncope. And what happens with neurocardiosyncope is essentially, whereas anybody listening here pretty much Anytime you get a little lightheaded, you lose a little blood in your head, normal everyday stuff, your heart recognizes it and pumps harder to get the blood flow again. Mine doesn't do that. It's literally a communication issue. I've taken tons of stress tests and my heart is really healthy and strong, which is great news because my father died of a heart attack at 48 actually, which was why it was scary when these things were happening and going through the tests, but everything is good there. But finally, Matt, because I had an incident where I actually hit my head and had to go to the hospital and you know, thinking, you know, that was really scary. I said, okay, you've been telling me doctors for a while. I need to do this. I'm going to listen to my doctors. Finally, I'm going to go do this. Got the pacemaker and, um, shouldn't pass out anymore, which is really good news. And, um, I'm happy I did it and shout out to the incredible people at mercy hospital, Buffalo, who did an amazing job, their entire staff. And what was funny is they told me I'd kind of be awake and have a little bit of local anesthesia, but Matt, they reeled me in and then they wheel me out. And I said, what's next? What, or what, they said, well, you're done. I had no idea. I was in there for like an hour. It was all done. So it's all good now going forward. But thank you so much for everybody. I just want to give an update on what exactly happened because a lot of people 
thought that I had some sort of incident last week. It wasn't like that. There's been several incidents over the last several years. And finally, it came to a point where I needed it to stop. Well, I'm glad that we're being able to talk right now and that you're doing well. I saw you in person yesterday at the Sabres game, and you yep. looked healthy as ever. I'm also glad that you're talking about it because I do think this awareness helps other people yeah. when they've got to consider what they need to do to try and be healthy. And while you were talking, I was actually looking it up because I knew there was a pacemaker connection to Buffalo, but I didn't know exactly what it is. I believe the yes. first ever cardiac pacemaker was – like in the United States, the procedure was done in Buffalo. I think that's what the connection is. I no, can't... I think the person who invented it came from Buffalo. Well, I see a lot right? of different stuff. That's what I thought, oh, okay. too. And then I looked it up, and then there was a bunch of different layers to it. So if you're listening okay. to this, I guess just tweet us or send us a message if that's actually what it was. I thought the pacemaker was invented here, but then I found a bunch of different stuff. Maybe the cardiac pacemaker, as we know it, was invented here, but there was like right. a prior iteration of it that was invented somewhere else. So I don't know, but it's obviously it's a big procedure. And when you said that, when you said you rolled out and you're like, okay, what happens next? I had a similar situation. I had ankle surgery last year and I was under anesthesia. And I remember waking up and not knowing that the procedure like had happened. I was like, so what's going on? And they're like, well, it's done. And I'm like, it's done. And then I remember looking down at my foot and seeing the cast around it. And I had never had a cast around my foot and I immediately felt itchy. And I was like, oh no, this is how you're going to feel for the next several weeks. This stinks, but I'm glad that you're feeling well. So um, the first time I ever passed out, I remember I was actually in high school. I was a junior or senior, I believe one or the other. And we were in class and we were in science class and you remember or health, but you know, do you ever have those classrooms where you sit at a table with two people at a desk and there's another yes. table with two people at a desk, right? So I'm sitting there and there's a girl next to me and I started not feeling well. And I kind of thought I put my head down and I did, I put my head down and then apparently I passed out and I fell kind of into her lap and I'm not trying to make fun because it's a serious situation. But now I look back, my friends all told me like they thought I was trying to like get with the girl or ask her out or something like I was doing because I fell into her and I was like into her lap. And I'm like, no, I passed out. But that was the first time I remember it. But I do remember that story because of that, because my friends are like, wait, dude, like you like put your head on her shoulder. We were like, what are you doing in the middle of class doing something like that? Um, so that happened. But yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the awareness part is right. That's for sure. And then the mm-hmm. only other thing is real quick. I can't lift my left arm over my my head for six weeks because they don't mm-hmm. they want the, the 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 wires not to stretch. That is challenging for me. You know, do you know do you know when I actually lift it? My son scored a goal in ice hockey the other day and I lit and I cheered and I threw my hands up in the air. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can't do that. Those are the you things I have to that. worry about. I can't do that. I get it. Okay. One so- arm. I do have a sling, I can keep it in, but I don't have to wear it all the time. And I should have had it on, I guess. So anybody who is listening to this, I'll post the picture later. Can you see this picture that I'm I showing can't you put right it up now? A little closer because it's got a glare on it. That okay, is yes. me yep. on a that is me on a stretcher. In the hallway oh of my parents' house after passing out, probably in like 2013, 2014. Ooh. But I have the picture because once it was clear that I was okay or that I was going to be okay, 
the people who responded to the call were the volunteer fire company that I lived a mile from. And all of the volunteer firefighters were all of my best friends growing up. So <laughs> they took pictures of me as I'm getting rolled out of my house on a stretcher. And for a while, that was like the fantasy football picture for our group message and for our fantasy football league. So I also have passed out a couple of times and ended up in the hospital. The first time that time, I guess, was like a dehydration thing. I was working mornings. I was working mornings in local news and I was like not sleeping at all. And I was dehydrated hydrated and I just got super sick and I ended up in the hospital. But yeah, hopefully anybody listening to this, you don't have passed out stories and you have not ended up in the hospital and it does not require procedure like Sal had to get done. So at least if you're listening and you're hearing us, just remember your health is important, your family, your yeah. friends, you know, make sure you stay on top of all that stuff. But thank you for all the well wishes. The Bills have zero people on their team, I think, that qualify for the franchise tag, right, Matt? I mean, let's just start there because it is the franchise tag window. As we record this today on February 20th, it is the day the franchise tag window opens. Nobody's getting the franchise tag. The only people you didn't think about it, or at least you'd say the top three agents for the Bills are Gabe Davis and Daquan Jones. Neither is deserving, correct? Mm -hmm. No, neither of them is going to get the franchise tag. No chance. <laughs> and, and I don't think either is deserving of that. However, we are wondering what Gabe Davis is going to get on the open market, assuming he's mm -hmm. going to get there. Gabe Davis the night before we record here, posted on his Instagram story about an eight-minute long video, which really kind of feels like and seems like a goodbye to Buffalo. Now, since that video is posted, I've reached out to some people who are close to Gabe, and I've learned that it's not a goodbye, but it's an appreciation for sure. But they also know it's a reality and it's a business, and mm -hmm. anything can happen here. So I just want to say that don't take it as a complete goodbye, but there's certainly an acknowledgement and understanding on both sides that he may be on another team next year. Yeah, knowing what you know and knowing what I know, I am still anticipating that Gabe Davis is playing elsewhere next season. That is what I'm anticipating happens. But I'm also not completely closing the door. And I don't think the Bills are completely closing the door either. It will be very tricky. Because I think Gabe Davis is in a spot where like, he has clearly earned a nice contract from somebody. But the Bills, I don't think are in the market to give that contract to somebody when they have the questions about Gabe Davis that I think a lot of the fans have, and it's, can he be a legit number two wide receiver? For me, I think the best way to address that this offseason is using a premium asset on a receiver, a top draft pick, maybe even trading up to try and get one of those top guys, whatever the case may be. Gabe Davis, though, I still think could be a really nice player in this league. It's just, how does he fit into a team? Does he fit into a team where he needs to be the number two? Because then you might have those inconsistent performances where there's flashes and then there's games that are leaving you asking for a lot more. I feel like Gabe Davis is right on the border of, is he a really good, is he an elite three or is he a good two? And I don't think the Bills are going to be able to pay him like a good two. I think they would love to keep him as an elite three, but I think he's going to command way more than that. I agree with that. Last year, the top receiver Money was only $11 million a year. I say only because some of the guys were really making the top money or up in the stratosphere there. But you think about Jacoby Myers, who was a free agent last year. Juju, $11 million a year. I think maybe DeAndre Hopkins came over the top of that or right around there, uh, maybe a little bit a little bit later in free agency because he had waited it out a little bit. But even that seems pretty steep. You know, if you, if you just add on a little inflation from year to year, if Gabe Davis is in that market, I don't think the Bills can do that, nor should they do that because you are tying up assets with, you know, Stefan Diggs and what his contract is. And, that's a separate discussion, but assuming Stefan mm -hmm. is back on the contract he has, 
I mean, you, you just can't really justify that for a guy like Gabe Davis when you're in a cap crunch. Now, if this was a team that had $50 million to spend, okay, get, get creative. You can do it. No doubt about it. That's just not the reality. It's not the situation. So to me, Matt, I tweeted this. This feels like a situation where both sides really, really want to make it work. Mm-hmm. But both sides also know that that might be very difficult to almost impossible. Well, for Gabe Davis, when you look at it from his side, you need to go get paid because now you're getting into the prime of your career. You're looking for the big contract. But you also in Buffalo have Josh Allen and you have an aging Stefan Diggs. So conceivably, you've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and you've got a team where there should be even more opportunities for you to be involved in the offense. But there have been those gaps where you haven't been involved in the offense. So maybe you're looking for a change of scenery at this point. I think for the Bills, though, we could spend an entire – we should probably spend just an entire episode talking about wide receivers because I think it is far and away the most interesting decision that the Bills have to make this offseason. And even though I think they're open to have Gabe Davis back, I, the Instagram video to me doesn't really change anything. It just is kind of like I, nothing changed. I didn't expect him to be back. I saw the Instagram right. video. I still don't expect him to be back, but never say never, I guess. Okay. Well, wait, let me ask you this. Do, do you, by posting the video, do you think that that's a kind of a resignation of, yeah, this is it. I'm done. I'm over. Or do you no. still think that there's a possibility that they, hey, you never know. Maybe he says, hey, give me a vet minimum deal for one year and then have a cap hit. Have, like whatever creativity they could have. Uh-huh. Do you think that they could still try to work something out, even if it ultimately doesn't work out? No, it's like posting your resume on LinkedIn or like your demo right. reel before you're about to become available in your contract. And this is a, still a business. That yep. video is posted for other people to see it and say, oh, point. yeah, Gabe, did. It's, that's 100%. This is all strategy. Nothing happens yep. by accident. Social media is a tool to try and get people for our case, to follow us, to look at our work, to see us, to make ourselves present, for those guys to build their brand and also to let other people out there know, like, look at the way the video ended. It ended with his stats. That's not an accident. That's not, like, unintentional. That is very intentional. So that was posted to kind of remind everybody, like, hey, I think I'm one of the top guys available this summer. Somebody come pay me a bunch of money, and if that's the bills, then great. I'd love to stay, and I really appreciate my time here, but if it's not, I'm going to make a ton of money. The combine is when a lot of this stuff usually starts to happen. Agents are there. GMs are there. Front office personnel are there. So we should start to hear a little bit more. Remember, remember last year, Matt, that's when we found out that Tremaine Edmonds was going to get paid somewhere. The combine was the buzz of Edmonds is the guy. Someone's going Uh to get him. They're going to pay him a lot of money. And that's when we kind of realized, okay, as much as it seemed like it might not work out, it's not working out between the Bills and Edmonds. Do you remember what else happened on the first day of the combine last year? Leslie Frazier. Yep, that was Leslie Frazier last year. So, yeah, no, it's it's always the time (laughs) I think people start to get the itch a little bit. And it's also I want to I want to make this incredibly clear. Sal's going. I'm going. A lot of our colleagues are going. You trust these people, but also do not completely like if they say there's no chance we're doing this. That does not mean there's no chance they're doing this. That's right. It means maybe they're even thinking about it. So just. Pay attention. The smoke screens of the draft we always talk about also start in Indianapolis because a lot of the things that we are told are what they want us to hear, not what might actually happen. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, so you brought up Leslie Frazier. And by the way, you're right. We should spend a whole episode on wide receivers since we 
burnt already the first 14 minutes of this one without it. Let's save that for another day. I do want to talk about a couple other positions as well, but I want to talk about the coaching staff for a second, Matt. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. So Bobby Babich recently parted ways with the Bills. I'm sorry, not yeah. me. Let me start over again. Uh, John Bobby Butler, Babich didn't. Bobby Babich got the defensive coordinator job. John Butler recently parted ways with the Bills. Mutual parting of the ways. Right away, you're getting a lot of the reaction from fans of, here it is, another assistant coach leaving Sean McDermott. You know, and I always felt, you know, it's, but think about it. We talked about this. Was it, it was Eric Washington too. Was it, hey, a guy just wants to get away from Sean McDermott? Or was it, hey, there's three guys here. Only one can get the DC job. The other two probably feel like they hit a ceiling and they might have to go elsewhere. Well, right before we sat down to do this recording, I'm assuming you're sitting down where you are right now because I am. Yes. Right before we did that, our buddy Tim Graham of The Athletic actually posted a story. He interviewed John Butler about his departure. And guess what? There's nothing salacious about it, everybody. John Butler himself says, hey, I want to be a defensive coordinator. When Bobby got the job, I wish him great. I wish him well but it's time for me to see if I can go do that somewhere. So that's what this yeah. is. This is not a, oh my God, you want to get away from Sean McDermott. He can't keep anybody on staff. This is a business. People have careers. You get reminded of that all the time. It's not just players, it's coaches. And in this article, all right, um, here we go. I'll read the quote. This is um, Tim Graham from The Athletic. Quote, Bobby's going to do a great job, Butler said. Quote, it really just came down to us both feeling we were qualified to do the job. We both still are. The decision doesn't change anything. But once that decision is made, it's time for me to see if I can be a coordinator somewhere else. End quote. That's why he left. And it's probably the same thing with Eric Washington, too, even though this story doesn't specifically mention Eric Washington. When he realized that the next in line for the defensive coordinator job was Bobby Babbage, he also probably realized, okay, I need to go and put myself in a position where I can get that job because it's not going to happen here. I would imagine Eric Washington, if offered the defensive coordinator job in Buffalo, would have probably taken the job and stayed in Buffalo, but they wanted to get younger. They wanted to go with the high upside play, which is Bobby Babbage, and that's why he got the job, and Eric Washington ended up leaving. I I don't think that there's any – to me – this conversation can go a lot of different ways. You can have the conversation of, oh, do people want to work with Sean McDermott? Is this a good organization to be part of? To me, it also comes down to, it more comes down to, this team has been very close. A lot of people, myself included, think that they'll eventually get over the hump. And they're led by Josh Allen, who in my mind is the second best player in the league. Even if you're on the defensive side of the ball, you want to be coaching on the team that has Josh Allen. So at the end of the day, that's what I think makes this an attractive job to coaches, to position coaches. And then in a month, 
two free agents who are trying to decide where they're going to play football. If you've got offers from a couple different teams, I guarantee those guys are looking at the quarterbacks and they're going, okay, who's got the best quarterback? All right, well, I've got an offer from the Bills. I've got an offer from the Bears. I've got an offer from the Bucks. Got something to go to Buffalo. They got Josh Allen. That's what. That's just my opinion on it. Well, listen, I mean, we all know that it is a star quarterback-driven league if you can find one. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also see the value in these position coaches, and I'm one always to point out like some of the great jobs that these guys have done, and that is Bobby Babbage. For one, we know what he's done with Jordan Boyer, mm-hmm. Micah Hyde, then transitioning to the linebackers and Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, and then Terrell Bernard is the latest. I think John Butler's done a really good job. He really has. Yeah. But I also go back to Kyrie Elam hasn't developed, and I do wonder if – even though, even though I'm not saying that Sean McDermott went to Bobby, went to John Butler and said, you know, we don't want you around because of Kyrie Lam. I don't think so at all. And I think Tim's story confirms this. But I do wonder if part of the decision process between Butler and Babich came down to, well, we sunk this first round pick and this isn't going to work out. So we got to, you know, Bobby Babich did a really good job. And if that costs us John Butler, well, maybe we need new mm-hmm. eyes on Kyrie Lam anyway. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. That's- it's not like trying to push him out the door. <laughs> But understanding that maybe a change of scenery for your first round pick is going to be a good thing anyway. That's a great point. And I think that at the end of the day, this is almost all asset management. And I know these mm-hmm. are people and they have personalities and lives and stuff. But what is a more important asset to an organization? Is it a DB coach or is it a first round pick on a defensive back? And so far, that first round pick has not worked, even though other guys have. So maybe this is a last-ditch effort of trying making that pick worth it or making it so you can flip it for another asset that ultimately helps your team. That is not to diminish the job of position coaches, but they used a first-round pick on Kyrie Elam, and now it needs to be about – if they truly believe that last year was about the injury that hampered him – He was never able to really get healthy. You have now two more years that you have him on a cheap contract where you need to figure this out. Look what Trent McDuffie – I'm not comparing him to him. Look what Trent McDuffie just did for the Kansas City Chiefs. You have a guy taking a few picks after him. You need him to turn into something, even with Christian Benford becoming a steal of a draft, and maybe this is their way of trying to do that. All right, well, the – Coaching staff obviously seems well, it seems to be set. I mean, it could always be changes. We found out last year what you said at the uh, combine last year about Leslie Frazier, but it seems yeah. to be pretty set. They made some changes, some additions. We've covered them on here. So that seems like it's going forward. Now it comes time for making decisions on free agents, meeting with agents, meeting with guys, trying to set your roster. I have taken a look at WGR550.com at Odyssey at the Bills state of the certain positions, series by ser- series, uh, position by position. I do this every year. I start with quarterbacks and running backs. I want to touch on this with you because a couple of questions along the way came up. Um, let's start with running backs. I think that was the most interesting one for me. When I posted the article, I wrote, Matt, James Cook has firmly cemented himself as RB1. And look, I, I don't think that anybody questions that he is RB1 right now in the Bills as far as volume. But I had a little pushback from some fans who said they don't think he should be a clear RB1 because he's not he's not built to be a guy to you know go against heavier boxes and things like that, and they need to have a little bit more of a timeshare, I guess is the way I'd put it. I, I don't necessarily agree. I think that they had good compliments for him last year. But what's your feeling on that? Do you How do you think they should treat the running back position in addition to, I'm not even going to say behind, because maybe you don't think it's behind, in addition to James Cook? Okay, so James Cook is the running back one, but you can have different feelings about how pivotal of a piece he should be for the offense. 
-hmm. as far as the running backs are concerned, he should get the biggest piece of the pie. If we're looking at a pie chart, James Cook should take up most of the pie chart. But I don't think it should be 90% or 80%. I think it should be 65 70%. And you should be able to go out and get another guy that complements him. Because I think, in theory, going into the season, last season, you thought it was going to be Damian Harris. And that Damian Harris gets hurt really early on. Then you kind of just forced Latavius Murray into that role. And for a little while it worked. But then for most of the season, it didn't. Then we were talking about Leonard Fournette and how he was going to be involved. I thought he was going to be involved. I really like Ty Johnson. I do not think that this is a position where you need to be spending a lot of money or a lot of resources this offseason, but I do think you need to get other guys. I would like to see Ty Johnson back, and I would like to see somebody else come back as their other guy. Maybe that's Naheem Hunt. Maybe that's just what they do because they still could but it feels like that skill set is a little bit too close to what James Cook's skill set is. So I don't know exactly how they end up navigating that, but I think it should definitely be James Cook. I would like Ty Johnson back. And then if that means Naheem Hines is your other guy, then so be it. If Damian Harris is cleared medically and says he wants to play, it's mm-hmm. not going to cost much. No team's going to give him a big contract. Now there's no, I mean, he didn't no. get a big contract last year, but, you're talking probably vet minimum. Would you be interested in him coming back to the Bills? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The one thing about Damian Harris that was I he clearly can he could play. I, I just don't think he provided them anything in the past game. Like really that was a threat to defenses. Now, it's a little unfair to say that because we only got to see him for such a small sample size, but Ty Johnson felt like did that and then was also still able to contribute in the run game. So that's why I don't know if he would want to come back if he doesn't see a path to even one of the top three jobs on this team. Yeah, and then you talk about um, Naeem Hines, which is really interesting. I can't. Can you foresee Naeem Hines back at his current contract? I can't. He's where he's making. No. He's standard account over five million dollars. There's no way that that should. No that you can't do that. I mean, heck, if you want to take four million of that and give it to you know Gabe Davis, I'd be more for that, right? I mean, and add on what you can do. Now you can restructure him, or mm-hmm. I should say, you know, you know, ask him to take a pay cut. You could release him. You could do a lot of things here. It can't be at that. I'm fine with him being on the team, but I feel like there's got to be an adjustment here. But I do think he has value. The question would come in: Do you need a guy like? Do you need Naeem Hines and Deontay Hardy? What does the role there? Then you have Andy Isabella can return as well. Now, granted, 90 mm-hmm. men on the roster. I am not opposed to Naeem Hines coming back. I am definitely opposed to him coming back in the current contract. Yeah, I agree with that. I think of the two, I think I'd rather have Naheem Hines than Deontay Hardy. I think that Mm -hmm. if it was just a pick one of them, I think I'd rather have Naheem Hines just because Deontay Hardy we thought was going to play a bigger role specifically on the offensive side of the ball, and he never really ended up having that huge impact. There were a few plays that he made. He had a really big conversion in one of the late games, rolling out to his right. I don't remember the game it was, but it was like a third and long, and he made the play. What game was that? Can you remember? Why am I blanking right now? Uh, maybe New England? Was that New? Was it New England? Can't no, remember. it was – It was. I'm going to look it up when okay. I finish talking. But, yeah, like obviously the Deontay Hardy moment was the punt return against the Dolphins yes. in the fourth quarter. The Naheem Hines moment – was the kick return against the Patriots, the multiple kick return. I think both of those guys are capable of being your kick returner, punt returners. Now it's just what guy could make a bigger impact on the offense, and I think that's 90 points. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Uh, Latavius Murray was already the oldest running back in the league last year. He's now a free agent, and they didn't really give him the ball at all towards the end of the year. I don't think he's coming back to the Bills. I don't know if his career is going to 
continue on. He's had a very nice career. Good luck to him if he wants to go somewhere else. I just can't see the Bills interested in doing that, given how they played it out at the end of the year with him. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking up the Deontay Hardy um, log right now. I actually think it was Kansas City. It was the Kansas City regular season game. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're talking about Deontay Hardy making that making a play, right? There was yes, a Deontay, yes, yeah, Deontay Hardy right. had one, one catch for 25 yards, and I believe it was on the last going, drive of that game. Josh was going right. to his right, and that's right. Yeah, he was coming he was across rolling. the middle to the right sideline, correct? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So that was, um, I mean, that's a nice play, but it was just way too few and far between. Do you know how many catches Deontay Hardy had this season? He only had like five or six, maybe. Uh, well, he finished the year with 15 catches, oh, okay. 15 catches for 150 yards, but 15, yeah, he catches was never for a guy was who was, who, yeah, 15 catches for a guy who played as much as he did, who was active as much as he was that that can't happen for somebody who's got like a legit NFL contract. I feel the same about Trent Sherfield, but we'll get to wide receivers again when we go down the road. What about Latavius Murray and what I brought up? He's already the oldest running back in the league. Doesn't feel like that's something the bills are going to revisit. No, I don't think so either. I think that Latavius Murray probably retires, right? I, I mean, unless somebody I think maybe, yeah. But even maybe if he does he's it. is Latavius Murray just like your practice squad running back that you keep around? Like, is there any chance mm, of that? I don't know if well? he would want to do that. Even like that's what what's the you know you're asking a thirty the oldest running back in the league has a lot of skin in the game to just come every day and be a practice squad guy at that kind of salary. I, I it feels to me like. He'd be more in the Leonard Fournette mold, which is, sure, that's fine. I'll sign late in the year for you if you want to make a run and come on your practice squad. I ain't spending all year there. Yeah, who was the guy that they did that with a couple of years ago? Why am I blanking? It wasn't TJ Eldon. He was actually on the team. Um, it was like one of those veteran run. No, it wasn't Matt Breida. It was one of those veteran running backs who had been around forever, and they just had him on their practice squad for most of the season. Yeah, I remember remember it too, and I can't remember the name right now. I'll have to look at that. But the point is, though, that I think there's going to be some – but if you're going to get, if you're not going to have Latavius Murray, I think you do want a, a guy like that. I want to go circle this back to Ty Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think the Bills should re-sign Ty Johnson at a vet minimum salary. And if Ty Johnson says I'm worth more than that, I'm going to wait it out. Then get somebody like Ty Johnson at a vet minimum salary. This is not about the player as much as it is about asset allocation. You do not need mm-hmm. to pay any of these guys more than the vet minimum salary to be backup running backs anymore. Yeah, for sure. And I agree with you. One million percent. And that's why I know it's funny because we're going to get to the point right now where whenever there's a free agent running back available or a guy who becomes a free agent, somehow the bills are going to be tied to them. Don't pay attention to it because that would not be a smart investment of their money, whether that's Derrick Henry, whether that's Saquon, whoever it is. Like, no, James Cook is going to be your guy. Then just get a couple complimentary pieces that can go along with him. I mean, James Cook was a Pro Bowler this year. I know the Pro Bowl doesn't mean anything, but his numbers were really, really impressive. And I know that there is a thought that maybe he can't handle the every down workload. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think I'm not as high on James Cook as some people are, but I still think he is very clearly for the next two years your top running back. By the way, the guy you're thinking of. I'm going to look right now. Um, wasn't he? He was somebody who played for the um, Falcons. Who was the guy who was with the Falcons? That's the guy you're thinking of, and I can't think of his name now. Um, TJ Yeldon was with the team, though, back in 2020. He was there, so I can't. Now, now it's going to bother me. We're going to have to think yeah. about this. All right. Um, if you want to draft a running back late, go right ahead. Get him on a rookie deal. Um, it's got to be, to me, a certain fit and kind of maybe niche running back, if you will, Matt. Like, not anybody mm-hmm. who thinking can be like even a James Cook. I think it's more like the physical presence or something you're not getting in the passing game you think you could get 
that even though you have James Cook, maybe you can bring another guy in there. I think that's what you would have to do or want to do if you want to draft one. I'm not opposed to using a late round pick on a running back though. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's probably smart. If you actually have 10 draft picks that you're going to use, if not, I draft if if you don't end up using them, draft seventy five percent wide receivers for all I care. All right, let's um get into some questions from some fans. But first, I just want to touch briefly on the quarterback situation. All right, Matt. Another area where the Bills probably need to at least examine what they want to do is backup quarterback. Kyle Allen is a free agent, mm-hmm. but again, I'm going to say what I said about running back. I'm not interested in necessarily bringing in anybody that's going to cost any money. And I don't think the bills are, they need to get either Kyle Allen back or someone like Kyle Allen. Who's not going to cost a lot of money. You already have a young guy in Shane Buchel who's been in the league three years, been on two practice squads, bills and chiefs. So he's been with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And but he's the young guy. You can keep him on the practice squad and then you go get a veteran. And that could be Kyle Allen. That could be someone else, but it can't be anybody who can spend a lot of money on. Although there are a couple names out there. I know that. Does Mitch Trubisky cost money in this scenario? Is Mitch Trubisky get a big contract? Big is relative here. So Mitch Trubisky Kyle Allen, I think. Okay, I'm okay with that. I I mean, not like substantially more. I'm not saying double, but I don't know if Mitch Trubisky gets three million dollars. Are you keeping him? Are you bringing him back? Because I would. What what has he done that's given you faith that that like I think he was not good with the Steelers when he played. No, but I still think that he would be better than Kyle Allen would be. I also think his game mirrors Josh's a little. I mean, it's nobody mirrors Josh Allen, but I think he's a little bit more mobile. I think you could keep a little bit of the same playbook with him. I know that you're not ever hoping that you need your backup quarterback, but I feel like the Bills could tread water better with Mitch Trubisky than they could with Kyle Allen. Like if Kyle Allen was put into a game last year, I I would have had very little faith that they would have won. Um, I think I agree with that. I don't know how much more faith I have in Trubisky, but I did like the fact that he was on the Bills roster and, you know, he has a little bit of mobility. He was great in that one. Pre- Remember the preseason game he played a few years ago? Was it Chicago yeah. maybe? Is that where he was? Yeah, he was it, was great his, in that. Return to, it was his return to Chicago. Yes, absolutely it lit it up. I think he was like <laughs> 85, 90% completion yeah, percentage, yeah. a touchdown. That was, And then the other name that's going to get brought up, and I don't think that this makes – Sam Darnold is going to be the other name that gets brought really? up. I don't know how they could afford because I think Sam Darnold is going to get some actually decent money from somebody. Yeah, you're, the I thing think you're here right is that. the thing here is he's Josh Allen's like best friend. So do you want to go hang out with your best friend for the year, or do you want to go have a chance at making some money? You know what he made last year? He had five. He made five point seven million dollars as a backup last year. Like the Bills can't pay somebody six million dollars to be a backup. Is it important to you if they get somebody that has more of a like mobility skill set? Because that's not Sam Darnold. It's more Mitch Trubisky. No, but it's not a runner necessarily either. But no, but Sam Darnold is a better player than both of those guys. Right now, so right. But I mean, is it important to you? That, do you think it does it matter to you if the Bills, like if you're the Bills, would you try to find somebody who could be a little closer to the mobile? You're not going to get Josh Allen, of course, but you know somebody mm-hmm. who could move around and be run or. Because Matt Barkley was not that, and yet he was on the practice, and he was on the team for a few years. I think that it matters if it's the same, like, type of caliber of player. But it doesn't matter if it's a next step. Like, to me, Sam Darnold is a cut above Mitch Trubisky and Kyle Allen. But Mitch Trubisky and Kyle Allen, if those guys are close, if they're close, then I think it should be somebody who could be mobile or could be at least a little bit more mobile. Because I think that provides a little bit of – 
not an X factor. That's probably a little bit too strong, but just another thing that a defense would have to worry about. And honestly, there's one other name here that might mm-hmm. sound crazy, but kind of did this against the Bills and led him to success. Tell me if I'm nuts. Would you have any interest in Zach Wilson? Mm, I don't think so. I think it seems like it's too much of a reclamation project. It is, but I mean, he's got actual NFL experience. Yep. He's got a big arm and he is fairly mobile. All those also, things. He, here's what, part of the reason I would say no. And I think about it even more than that, which is I think if you sign Zach Wilson, there's not like, it's not signing Cam Newton, of course. Right. But there is a bit of a, there's a story there. And do you need your backup quarterback to have a story about him? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think the Bills are interested in that. They need a guy just to come to work that there's no cameras on him and nobody cares about him. He's just, who is he? Does he ever need to play? We hope not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the thing here is, well, at his current cap hit, it would absolutely never happen. Like he makes like $11 million or something because he's still on his rookie contract. I'm assuming the Jets are going to cut him and then he's going to just, but how is it really any different than Mitch Trubisky? Mitch Trubisky was the second overall pick and came Mm -hmm. from a team where it didn't work and then went yep. to Buffalo, Good point. revitalized his career. I mean, it's almost the exact same thing. It was well, Mitch team- had some moments in Chicago. There were t- there were people who thought that they might actually even try to keep him. No uh, one thought but about, I think, that about Zach Wilson. No, but I think that almost plays better into the Bills' possibility of getting him because I mm-hmm. think he has been written off more than Mitch Trubisky. When the Bills signed Mitch Trubisky, I think it shocked people. I don't think Zach Wilson signing as a backup quarterback is going to shock anybody. Except my daughter, who's crying next well, to wait, me. Is Zach Wilson? How many years has he been in the league now? Three, right? Three. He has to yeah. be released. He hasn't. He isn't That's, a free agent. He has to be released. No, he's. But they. I mean, those comments from Woody Johnson make it certainly yeah, yeah, sound like sure. he is going to get released and have to sign a contract elsewhere. I, I, would you be stunned if they were able to get a sixth or seventh round pick for him? Yeah, because then he would have to pay him, and I don't think anybody's paying that, right? No, you don't have to for one year. You could just. He's on his fourth year. Well, well, you're right, though, because it's the fourth year of his number two overall pick status. That's what I mean. So he's getting eleven yeah. million dollars. I don't think yeah, anybody's yeah. trading. Oh. I don't think anybody's trading. His contract is eleven million dollars this year. I think that's his cap hit. Yeah. No, that's his cap hit. That's different. That's not the, the new team would not be responsible for that. No, they would be. His base is a million. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. That's all you have to pay him. You don't think a team might take a flyer of a sixth or seventh round pick to trade for him to pay him a million dollars? What did Trey Lance get? That that's on me. I screwed up with that. What did Trey Lance yeah. get from the Cowboys when they traded for him? Ooh, What'd they give uh, up? Fourth, maybe fifth, somewhere in there. I don't know. If Trey Lance is only worth a fifth round pick, is Zach Wilson worth a sixth? I don't know. It might be for the team. I just think it's a, I like your idea though. I, I I never thought about this. So credit to you because I'm gonna be on the lookout. If this happens, I am throwing all the flowers your way that you I, actually uh, came up with. Yeah, I, I apologize if I'm a little oh. distracted here. Look okay. at what I'm uh, dealing I with know. currently. It's amazing. She's I love it. not happy right now. All right. Not happy. All right. Well, Let's we'll wrap it up here with a couple of questions. I got one here yeah, from we- John Brown. Not the. I don't think it's the John Brown wide receiver, but it is a wide receiver type question. He tweets into us at Sal Sports at Matt underscore Bove. With the combine coming up, what do you think your 40 time would be? Oh, oh God. Um. Oof. Have you ever been timed in the 40, Matt Bove? Ever? No, no. 
Um, I've said before, I've got the agility of a wheelbarrow, so I don't think that I would be, you know, doing great in the combine by any stretch. I don't think I'm, I'm slow, but I don't know what's slow. Six and a half seconds. Is that crazy? Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, how old are you? Can I ask? I'm 31. Okay. So you're prime years there. Still you're running around. I could, I can, um, you know, I've I've run a couple like half marathons and stuff, so like distance go. is not the issue. But I I couldn't do like I don't really have any like speed. I have run okay. once though a sub six minute mile once. That was a long time. That's ago. amazing. But, that but is once, just once. I was happy awesome. about that. In high school, I was timed in the forty at a high four six, high four six. Okay. So I would, and I still I play flag football. All that I have not like been in condition sprinting wise the last probably. Half year to a year, somewhere in there, but I, I do a lot of the agility sprint work when I'm in into it and I'm playing again. And I've had this goal, and I have to do this some point. Maybe it'll be this year, maybe it'll be next year. I do have this goal, and I'm not kidding. My goal is to run my age in the forty. I'm going to be fifty-one this year. I would have to run a five-one. I don't think that's attainable right now, but I think mm-hmm. as I get to fifty-three, fifty-four, I might be able to do it. So I think the answer to your question here for me probably high fives for me. Um, but I don't. What? I do think I determined, and I was really determined. I might be able to get into the low fives. What did uh, like Josh Allen? So Josh Allen ran a four point seven six, four seven six, and like to me, no, I know that when it's broken down, this is nothing to do with you. I think that that's very attainable. I don't see how Josh Allen. I could run within a second of Josh Allen. I, I just don't. So for me, right. like that would mean for the base is beating six seconds, and I don't, yeah, I don't I think, think you, I could. If you be, if you were in the fives, that'd be awesome, amazing. Yes, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Just, I don't think I don't think great, that's possible. Right. So I don't know if I could get even. Like I said, I'm probably thinking way too much about myself, thinking low fives. But I, like I said, I was a I was sub four seven in high school, and I mean it is 25, 30 years later now, but. Uh huh. You know. Yeah, but you're still know. you're still very athletic, and you're still in like very good shape where you could you know be able to. Who knows? Maybe the pacemaker would help you now. <laughs> maybe maybe you could like kind of get down to like a zen moment, and then just be able to go and run. All right. Do you have one? Or do you want me to pick out another one here before we go? No, you can pick another one. What's the? You know what's funny though? This question makes me think of all of those questions where it's like, if you played an entire NHL season, would you be able to get a goal or like? All those things, they always kind of like make me laugh. But the one that has seemed so far-fetched to me is when people suggest that they could hit a home run in any capacity oh ever. That one is ridiculous. The one that, though, I still think I have a chance of, and people tell me I'm crazy, is the whole Masters thing. Did we talk about that on this podcast, starting 100 yards out? Uh, we. I, I know the question. I don't know if we discussed it. We might have. Go ahead, though. You can. You can. It's like if it you started every hole. If you started every hole a hundred yards from the pin, could you win the Masters? I, I like. I don't. So. I, don't I, I. Everybody who's like into golf has told me I'm absolutely insane, but I kind of think I would do well. I don't know. Like a hundred, you you got a wedge in your hands. Like I think I'm hitting most greens, and then what do I? Even if I three putt, I par. Well, okay. But the pro is getting to the green in two. So you know you're going to get – if you first of all, you have to make the green in that shot. They're getting there in two. That's what they do yeah. on par fours. So uh-huh. you got to make that shot. And then you got to out-putt them. Well, I'm Most not doing that. 
I'm not out, I'm not out putting them, but also think you about can, you have to match the putting at least. You gotta have to match the putting to be able to beat them because they're going to get to the green in two while you get in one. Yeah, but I, my thought is that I'm gonna hit more greens than I'm going to miss. Maybe it's marginally, but maybe and maybe I'm delusional, but I'm a pretty good like wedge iron yeah, player. That's kind You're of the benefit of my I game. With you. I, I will give you that. So sure. like I think that if I'm hitting more greens than I'm missing. I'm going to two putt more than I four putt. That's what I think. I'm going to two putt more than I four putt. And if I two putt, it's a birdie. If I two putt on a par five, it's an eagle. Like that's the thing. The par threes really aren't an advantage because they're hitting the green and that's, that's right. basically a wash. But the par fives are a huge advantage. I mean, if you stick one, yeah. you're tapping in for double eagle. And I know it's Augusta. I know yeah, it's hard. Good. It's still golf. The, the way that people talk about Augusta, like it's like the it's still golf. I've played Beth Page. Beth Page is a golf course. It like it's way harder than Augusta. And if I started every hole a hundred yards out of Beth Page, I think people are like, oh yeah, you definitely win the U.S. Open. So I, I don't know. I just that's the one that I always come back to. That I'm like, eh, maybe I'm crazy, but I kind of think I would love to try it. So uh, Augusta National. Give me a call. I'll be there. I'd love to try it. Well, we had a question from John Brown, and let's do another one from Aaron Brown, A-R-R-O-N, two R's. We'll wrap up on this. All right? I like this question. It's funny. I've thought about it, and I have an answer for you, and you can think about I it. Have one, I have one question that I want to ask you, though, when we're done, based off of okay. this. This one is, what is the one thing you would bring from the current Highmark Stadium to the new Highmark? And I thought about it. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it's 50 years old, but I do have something I would bring. The answer is the radio booth location for games. Okay. Bill's yeah. Highmark Stadium right now is one of the best radio broadcast locations in the league. Maybe yeah. the only one I would put above it is New England, which is a little bit lower and super easy to get down to the field. That's the part that it's tougher, but it's still very easy for the Bills compared to most of the stadiums. I am so believe me, it's one or two. The location is amazing. And I believe from what I've read and heard and things like that, the new radio booth location will still be 50 yard line where it is now, but much higher than it is now. I'd like to keep it where it is. Mine is the atmosphere. And okay. I say that because with a new stadium comes new corporate partners and new sponsors, new people who have a bunch of money who come to these games because they have a suite. <laughs> Can you hear my daughter screaming in the background? She there? wants that atmosphere too, baby. She, she wants that atmosphere. She's she's getting ready. I would say I want the atmosphere to continue because I feel like the atmosphere now is very much like a college vibe. It's very party-oriented. And I'm not saying that that's what they want. They want corporate partners that have a bunch of money who are going to pay to have their people in suites there. But I hope right. the atmosphere doesn't take a big hit because a lot of the newer stadiums lose that yep. really like fun vibe of going to a game. I think that's one of the things. The actual stadium now is awful. But the vibe and the atmosphere of a game, I always say, once you get to your seat, You'll have as much fun at a Bills game as you will have in pretty much any other NFL stadium. It's everything before getting to the seat that makes Buffalo a little bit of a tough set. Not the tailgating, but everything else specifically in the stadium. All right, so you have one more question for me. Yeah, this is from Lance. I liked this question okay. a lot. If you had a salary cap hall pass for one free agent this offseason, who would you sign with? This is including all teams? This is no for like the bills. Like if you could take, Oh, what I mean is like, can I take, can I take any free agent off any team? I'm saying 
Yes. Or does it have to be one of my own free agents? No, any free agent from any Okay. Team. I just want to make sure. I mean, because, you know, it, um, all right. So I'd, I'd have to look at the complete free agent list. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking maybe T. Higgins. T. Higgins was going to be the guy. T. Higgins was going to be the guy that I got to. The other one that I would say would have been um, Mike Evans. And the reason I would have said Mike Evans is because I don't think Mike Evans changes your long-term outlook at wide receiver. I think Mm -hmm. you're still using an asset to get a wide receiver. And that's Mm -hmm. why, like, T. Higgins is a young player. If you were signing T. Higgins, you're probably not using a first-round pick on a wide receiver, which is what Mm -hmm. I still think the Bills should be doing. So, like, for me, it would probably Um, be Mike Evans, but that doesn't change anything. Okay, so I'm going to give you another one that I just looked at and said, wait a minute, I forgot. Antoine Winfield Jr. at safety. I mean, see, solves a lot of my questions. Yeah, but it's a safe. I don't know. How much do you like? They've had great safety. Here's my thing no disrespect. They've had great safeties. What has that gotten them? I think you need to build a better team. What it's gotten them is one of the best defenses in the league over the last several years, and they never get beat deep. Still haven't won, though. Okay, like, they have Josh Allen. What has that gotten them? It's the same question. Yeah, I know, but the point is, you need to upgrade from Josh Allen? I don't think that's logical at all to say it that way. No, I think it is logical because I think it's surrounding Josh Allen with the best weapons possible. Brandon Bean, this this is the whole wide receiver podcast. Brandon okay, Bean drafted. No, no, no. I agree with this part of it. I agree with this part. But to say, like, well, they've had great safeties, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It helps your team. No, it, they, no, it, it does. What, what happened what last year when they were winning because of defense? What was that? What did you say? Sorry, I didn't hear you. The little one last year they were winning because of defense a lot because of all the injuries and everything. They were still uh-huh. doing good and the offense wasn't carrying their weight. I guess what I'm saying is, I think it truly matters who's back there. I, I You aren't. You think this team is going to be as good on defense and have to? They won't have to outscore more opponents if they can't, like at least get some level of good safety play next year. Considering what these safeties have been able to do for them, are you more confident with the Bills in a big game with Mike Evans or Antoine Winfield Jr.? Uh, Mike Evans, probably. Yeah, and that's kind of my thought too. Is just like I, you need a game change. You need to surround the safety. If they sign Antoine Winfield. It's a great addition because he's a really good player. And I'm not saying safety doesn't matter, but for the rest of Josh Allen's career, this should always be about the offense and surrounding the offense with as much talent possible because even the great defenses don't look that great when they go against great offenses. And there were very few times that, like, I know the injuries that they had. I realized that. But for the entire year, the Chiefs looked mortal. And then the Chiefs came in here and moved the ball at will and would have scored 34 points if they didn't fumble it out of the end zone on a great play from a safety, by the way, of Jordan Poyer knocking it out. So it's kind of funny that that's the one that I'm bringing up. What about if I said Josh Allen of the Jags, who's a free agent pending? Hell yeah. That's different. And it has nothing to do with the that's different because of the, yourself. That's different because of the name, not because of the position. I want the team to have both Josh Allen, okay. just right. so that would be Josh Allen's always. How could you lose if Josh Allen never leaves the That's field? Right. To me, just True. this is my this is my closing point. I don't want to. This isn't a shot at anybody, any other positions. How many? You might have talked about this with Jeremy. How many wide receivers has Brandon been drafted? Do you know the answer to this? Uh, I believe. Two, uh, three, let's see, Ray Ray McLeod, Isaiah Hodgins, Gabe Davis, uh, I can't think, and Justin Shorter, four. Is that it? It's seven. Okay. Who am I missing? Can you get? Can you guess the other one? Khalil of them? Shakir. Yeah, so five. 
Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but he hasn't drafted anything before the fourth round. I know that. He's never drafted one on day one or day two. Right. Only right. on day three. The other two that you're missing are 2018. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Prol. So that was the other one in 2018. And then there was one in 2020. 2020. Um, and that wasn't he... Gabe Davis. I said Isaiah Hodges. Or excuse me. Excuse me. 2021. 2021 was the other one. Um, I, I'm just saying names escaping me right now. Marquez Stevenson. There you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. But the point is surround your freak athletic, probably future Hall of Fame quarterback with actual wide receiver. Like they have a chance of winning the chiefs game. If they have other players that are available. Agreed. But you don't have to do that in free agency either. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. You can, like, you can probably draft one, right? To circle back to our other conversation, it might be easier to get one than a safety uh-huh. because I just want to be right about Antoine Winfield. I get what you're saying. Well, that's funny. No, and, I, and guess, you're I not, guess you're not you're not wrong about uh-huh. all the points you brought up. I would say that's more critical. But the question is, if I could have a one hall pass to sign uh-huh. any free agent, I think it's yeah. going to be – it might be a guy where I can solve a lot more of my questions of two guys leaving. I have nothing there, nothing right now. I step yeah, on day you, one. I have nothing at safety. Yeah, it's just every year. I, I know the, the Diggs trade is the outlier here, and that one really, really hit. But every year, it feels like the primary thing that they focus on is the defense. Last year was a little different because they have Kincaid and they have get Osiris Torrance. Like that is very clearly the year that they paid attention to the offense. But all of the big free agents bringing back Jordan Poyer for another year. Von Miller getting the huge contract that he got. Leonard Floyd later in the year. Puna Ford. Like, it feels like they always go to that side of the ball. And if you're going to have a defensive-minded head coach, isn't he supposed to get the most out of that side of the ball, even if he doesn't have the greatest pieces? Like, that has always been my thing. I feel yeah. like because the Bills, the Bills are the one team that have the really good defensive-minded head coach. If you're going to do that, you better put so many assets into the offense because that's the side where you're going to need more help. Okay, we could talk about this some other time. We're out of time, but I don't even – I don't know. They there was they drafted Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. They re-signed John uh-huh. Feliciano, Daryl Williams, Mitch Moore. They have addressed – John Brown, Cole Beasley, like going back. They have addressed the offense plenty. Yeah, but I they dra- – yeah, but those are all people you needed because you needed pe- – it's not like those were splashes. John Brown – is was a good player. Cole Beasley was obviously a really good player when he was he here. Two but those were picks back to back years on running backs. Yeah, I know, but you used two second round picks on AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham. Right. My point is, I think they've addressed both equally. Yeah. When you take it yeah, all, but that's totality. not. E- but that's not equal. That's not equal. Second round picks to third round picks. And think about the first round picks. Besides Dalton Kincaid, it's been you Kyrie. Really besides, you got to count Russo. He counts. He counts. Huh? But he counts. You can't say besides him. The first two picks were offense. No, but, nice. no, no, but I'm saying, like, okay, Kincaid is one, but then look at defense. Kyir Elam, Greg Rousseau, nothing in 2019, and then 2018, they had one of each. That's more on Okay, defense. wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You're talking about drafting now. I'm talking about addressing it in the offseason. You said addressing yeah. it. There's, there's, there's other ways to acquire players, Matt. No, I know that, but they've used their primary free agent picks, too, on defensive guys. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Who's the I biggest? Think, think, who's the who's the biggest free agent they've signed? Von Miller. Who's the who's the second biggest? Probably Leonard Floyd. Bringing back Jordan Poyer. I don't know. Can I say Mitch Morris? Yeah, 
I guess you could. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. That was a long time drafted, ago. So. They drafted James Cook in the second round. Here, here's my point. This has been something Bills fans have said a long time. They they use so much on defense. I don't think that's the case. I think they've done equally. Now, maybe a little more on defense. We could slant it. That's fine. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've ignored offense at all. I think they've done it in different ways. Uh-huh. And I think you have to count Daryl Williams and John Feliciano and Connor McGovern last year and Cyrus mm-hmm. o- Osiris Torrance this year. Yeah, I do think they've addressed offense. They actually they spent a first round uh, trade on Stefan Diggs. Yeah, it's not that you have to address both. You have to. It's what right. if you addressed more and what should you address more? And I feel like they have, even if it's close, you probably think it's closer than I think it is. And most people listening to this, but even if it's pretty close to 50-50, what should you be spending more of your assets on? And I believe it's the offense. I don't think it should be 50-50. I think it should be 65-35 when Josh Allen is your quarterback. Let's take it to this year, though. Here's the issue, though. And I don't disagree with you. But, Matt, this year they have to go defense again for most because all of the offense is returning, except for Gabe Davis. Yeah. No, yeah, but so, so you're also caught by circumstance. Like mm-hmm. I know they need receivers. We we don't disagree on that, but they have to replenish the defense far more this year. Yeah, well, they need defensive tackles and they need safeties. Those are the obvious ones, and they need depth at linebacker or whatever they decide to do behind Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano. But that doesn't mean like I feel like those can just be got. Like I don't feel any different about the Bills if it's Daquan Jones. Two guys that we've never heard of, Taylor Rapp, some other safety that has been in the league who can try and come compete for a job, and then they go all in on the offense. If they go all in on the defense and they roll back with the same wide receivers, but maybe a second round draft pick at wide receiver, I don't feel good about the team. Like, I don't feel good about their chances. I'd feel better about their chances if they go really heavy on offense with their most important signings and draft picks and then fill out the defense with just guys second, third, fourth round picks. But like, there's no way they will. I would, I, I think it's different. I think in free agency, they're way more likely to sign Antoine Winfield or Kyle Duggar or like Jeremy Chin or one of those guys than they are to sign a big name free agent wide receiver. But I do think in the draft, this is the year that they do that. See what you did to us, Lance? Good question. It got us all fired up. We'll continue this more in the next It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. As Matt uh, tends to Elia and um, she is fired up about this as well. And I don't know what her answer was to Lance's question, but I think she agreed with you or dad, which she always probably will. I don't think she will. I, I don't think if, <laughs> if she's going to be anything like her mother, I don't know if we're always going to be in agreement here. All right. So um, thanks a lot to Mike Robbie, our producer. He's been sitting backstage going, Holy cow. Will you guys please stop? We are right now, Mike. Thank you very much. It's always game day in Buffalo. We'll talk to you next time here on the uh, pod, wherever you pod. And of course, at Sal Sports on the YouTube page.